So God spoke to Jeremiah one day, and he said, go down to the potter's house, and I'm going to talk to you there. So Jeremiah said, so I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he brought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the potter's hands. You know, sometimes that's how our lives feel. Something comes along in life and just totally messes up our life. I love the story of the potter and the clay because he didn't stop there. As Jeremiah was watching the potter, so he made it again. I seemed good to the potter to make it. And then God began to speak to Jeremiah. And he said, cannot I do this with you? For as clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. God was speaking to an entire nation at that time, how they had wandered away and turned to idols and their world was falling apart. Yet God was saying to them, if you just turn over yourself to me, I can remake you again, just like the potter. He was saying that to a whole nation. How much more could he say that to us as individuals? So let me ask you, could this clay ever fix itself? So why is it that we think that we can fix ourselves or that we have to fix ourselves or make things right before we come back to God? When in reality, we never really can fix ourselves, not really. And all God wants us to do is just turn the mess over to him. Just turn it over to him and so that he can put things back together. Because see, he's the potter. He's really good at that. I just wanted to play that uh, little video clip as a, as a connection with uh, what we spoke of last week, that he is the potter, we are the clay, and we are in his hands. And this morning, I in some ways want to continue with what we started with uh, last week, where God is the one forming us. And uh, we spoke about uh, the Copernican uh, revolution, where uh, things changed from the earth being the center of the universe and everything revolving around the earth and pretty much how we think uh, we are the center and everything revolves around us and even Jesus uh, revolves around us to a place where we need to have Jesus at the center and he's making us more like Christ. And we're going to look at somebody's journey this morning, but just as a, oop, uh, there we are. As a way, so that's, that's generally how we think oftentimes Jesus is there on the outside and then who I am is what I know, what I have, all my glories, my gender, my, all those things. And we ask God, Lord, make me a better man or woman. Make me a better worker. Make me a better parent. Make me a better. And subtly, we're still at the center and Jesus becomes the slot machine to make us better um, and uh, when things don't go that way and we don't become better more successful or then our whole world falls apart because surely God has left us what have I done or why is God doing this to me and where we want to be is we want to believe that as Fritz prayed that God is good his ways are good he's got us in us in his hands we are the pot we are the clay he is the potter, and he is fashioning, and he is using your gender. He is using your work. He is using your family. He is using everything that you find yourself facing right now to make you more like Jesus. And our prayer is, Lord, how, how are you making me more like Jesus at this very moment? And there are times that you might be overworking, and you like just... And you're praying, Lord, how are you making more like Jesus? And Jesus is saying, I'm not making you more like me in this. Rest. And then there are other times that you are just lazy and so, and you're just like, oh, Lord, how are you making me more like Jesus? I'm not making you more like Jesus. Work. You know, and, and, and so the point is that we always follow Jesus. 
And so we want to be at that place with them. I want us to, this morning, look at somebody's life as he was being formed into the image of Jesus. Romans 8, verse 29 says, God predestined, God purposed us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's what he's busy with in our midst. You want to know what God is busy with? He's forming you into more like Jesus. And I hope you're praying that prayer. In this week, the number of times, Lord, how are you using this to form Jesus in me? And generally, I must confess, I ask those questions when it's inconvenient or when I'm uncomfortable. I don't always, but we've got to continually, all the time, just thinking of your spouse. There are times like, yeah, Lord, we love it. We love our togetherness. And then there are other times like, Lord, not who have you given me, what have you given me? <laughs> yeah? It's like, and, and we, 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 in all those times, God is forming Jesus. And He is, He is, look, some of you think you've got a strong will child. God has got the strongest will in all of creation, outside of creation. You can't stop His will. All right? If he, so, it is that eternal current, that eternal purpose and plan is in His hands. And sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm not happy to be in those hands. But I'm grateful and it is a gift. So we're going to look at Peter's life this morning. How does Peter, how did Peter go through life? And I wish I could look at all the different instances that uh, Jesus encounters him. And I can't. You can already see I've got nine there. So what we're going to do now is, I know many of the children, you've got uh, some exams, or uh, the students or so, we're going to run through it quickly, where all the moments are. I'm assuming most of you have heard of Peter, have had some instances of Peter, and so what I wanna, want us to look is not at, like, dissect every scripture portion, I want us to stand back and almost, if we could, sit next to the Father Say, ah, Father, now I see how you're forming. Sit next there while he's on the potter's wheel. And he's forming Peter and he's squeezing and he's just pressing lightly here. He's putting some water here. And to see how was he busy forming Jesus in a man that in some cases we can identify so much. Now, personality-wise, he's probably more the extroverted guy. So I know for the introverts, it's like, no, it's, I would never do what he did. Right? But they're in his humanness, and there are some things that, you know, he says that everyone's thinking. He did, that everyone thought, I'll never do that, but I wish I could. Oh, but we can identify with them as human and say, okay, here are some moments. And I want to ask you, ask the Lord, maybe you'll identify with all the moments. Well, what's the moment this morning that's highlighted here that you are identifying with? Just as uh, before I get into that, I do want to say it's a real blessing, and I don't know how many of you know, we've started to pray with the kids on Sunday mornings. We've got about five minutes. Um, all the kids are welcome. Five minutes that we just try and include them in our prayer meetings, almost similar to what we're doing with uh, the worship times and, uh, or the singing times as we worship. And it, there's something that I believe God wants to um, display through us, and that is his family. And the way that we see family on earth is generally with a husband, wife, and children, okay? Now, for us in the church, family means that you are part of. So you can be single, you can be divorced, you can be um, uh, still uh, not have children or so, but you're part of the family if you believe in Jesus Christ. And, but the family structure kind of shows something of that. And to see the kids involved, we are being blessed because a few kids prayed this morning for us. You might think, I don't know what is happening, what is God doing? I want to tell you, there's some kids praying for you. And they might not have named you by name, but they've come before the Lord and asked for this church. And it's in some simple ways or so, but everyone coming together to a place where we all that's God's heart, that all, that His household is a house of prayer for all nations. It includes all ages, all, um, all genders, cultures, all those things. Okay? God wants us to 
pray to him and form himself. Now, so we come back to Peter. So I want to encourage you, bring your children if you can. Sometimes it's a bit messy, and I want to ask you, give grace, because God's household is messy, but it's glorious. All right, so we're going to look at him being called, recommitment, revelation, when you're clueless, rebuke, changing ways, your weakness, forgiveness, and recall, used by him, different cultures and races, and hypocrisy rebuke. These are some of the moments that God uses to form himself in us. So let's dive into Peter. First portion is in John 1, verse 41 to 42. It says that he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, this is now some of the disciples, and he says, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said to him, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So this is the first encounter that Jesus has with Peter. And the way that God wants to form himself in us is, first of all, by calling you. You are. And most of us here this morning has a moment of calling, a moment where you experienced that Jesus is calling you and He's saying, I want to be your Lord, or follow me, or I am your Father, or a moment of rebirth. Becoming like Christ cannot happen unless you are born again. Jesus is coming back for one that is like Him. And the first part of likeness is not in personality, it's not in deeds, it's not, it is in spirit. You've got to look like Him. And how that happens is through rebirth. It is your spirit is awakened to life. And you are called by name. Just to hear and just to know that God loves us is not enough. God calls us for a purpose. And we see in His name, and later on you'll see Peter is called a rock. And it speaks of how God wanted to use him. And so God calls us not just so that we can know we, we are loved. It's important and it's foundational but it's called to work in love, to be love in the world, to work because of love. There is purpose. And the question is, have you found some of that purpose? Some of it will unfold. Some of it will become more clear. But are you sensing that you are following God and working with Him? Because that is part of Him forming Himself in you. Called. It's a wonderful moment. And sometimes we need to hear it over and over now. The second one is a moment of recommitment. Now Peter has been following Jesus with the rest of the disciples. And Jesus has been telling, speaking to the crowds, all his disciples actually. And he was saying this weird stuff. Unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you cannot follow me. And they were like, yes, these are some hard calls. Because that meant that they needed to make covenant with him. They needed to leave all the other allegiances that they have with culture and with other, they need to uh, make commitment and covenant with him. And so the guy said, no, this is a hard, this is a hard saying. We can't go with him. It's a little bit too much. We loved you, Jesus. Thanks for the, for the bread and the fish. But this one is a little bit too much. And Jesus turns to his disciples, of which Peter is one. He says, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? There's a bit of an exodus. The company's folding, guys. Everyone is going. You want to go as well? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. It is Peter has come to the place. He has followed Jesus and he's spent time with Jesus that he has come to know that Jesus has the words of life. There are other great words. There are other good sayings, there are the good philosophies, there are good ways, but he is determined, this one, Jesus has the words of life. It might be inconvenient, uncomfortable at times, but there's a place that he calls them to recommitment. And oftentimes we are, we are called to say, hey, I've got to reassess who I'm following. And Jesus will come to points where he offends us, where He confronts us, where we need to choose, not my will, but your will. And there will be times that some of your friends might leave. Friends that follow Jesus. Friends that said 
We are here for Jesus. Some of you already have some friends like that. It's our Bible school in Wellington and TMT. Usually, uh, in the, some of the first talks I have with them, I say, look around you and know this. Not everyone will finish with you. It's the reality of life. It happened with Jesus' disciples, the twelve. Judas did not finish with everyone. And it is. And so yeah, every time God calls you to a place of recommitment, He is forming more of Christ in you. If you've put up your hand and say, yes Lord, I, I say yes to that call. You've signed up for moments like this. When everyone else says, no, we can't do that. That's just a little bit too much. He calls you to this. third one is revelation. We cannot find and see more of Christ revealed in us without revelation. Matthew 16 verse 15. Jesus just before that has been asking, who does everyone say I am? Some say you are like uh, Elijah. Some say you are like this prophet, that one. And he says, but you, who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. We cannot have more of Christ uh, formed in us without revelation. Other people's revelation. He is such an amazing God. He is like this one. It is not enough. You and I need Him to reveal Himself to us. Not by flesh and blood, by the Father. Especially to the young people. You cannot just go on your parents' revelation of Jesus. You've got to have your own. He has to be your Lord and Savior. V is Jesus for you. And it's at that place of revelation that more of Christ gets formed in us. I once had, a, a, had an interesting experience. I was in a kind of like a deep time of prayer. And it was this vivid picture that I was seeing that God was like speaking. And it was as if he was sitting and speaking over this person. Uh, and the, the impression I had was like a lady that was kneeled, uh, kind of knelt in front of him. And he was speaking word, his word over. And there was this, this transaction taking place. He was stripping her and clothing her at the same time. It was, this, it was just so striking for me how God's word is so truthful. And it's like this sharp, two-edged sword that's sharp and it cuts away all the lies. It cuts away all that is not Christ. It's not who we're supposed to be. But at the same time, it also builds up and it covers and it makes us who we are supposed to be like Christ. And that revelation, that word that God speaks, you and I need it. His word forms us. In fact, it's the only way he forms. From the start right till the end, he forms with his word. Revelation. Sorry, what is that? And there are moments of being clueless. I love this moment. Uh, the disciples are kind of, they, have, the, they uh, have a meal with Jesus. It's one of the last meals. And they're in the upper room. And uh, Jesus, they've been eating together. And generally, there's a servant that comes to wash the feet of the people that are coming together. He is the lowest person in the, in the household, lowest state. You don't, I mean, it's just the servants that do that. For this encounter, this meal, there was no servant there. It was just Jesus with his closest disciples, the twelve. And at some stage, Jesus gets up, takes the towel, and he starts washing the feet of the disciples. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Anybody had moments where you feel, God, I don't have a cooking clue what you're doing right now? 
<laughs> if you have not, you've not followed Jesus long enough. Or you need to read the check. To, are you following Jesus? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But he's clueless. And, it, and then Jesus says, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. And then Peter says, okay, 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 wash everything. And then, and, and Peter says, like, some of you are that person and some of us have that friend. It's like, it's either everything or nothing. Okay, okay, then we do that. And it's, and it's like, it feels like they're unstable. It's up and down. And Peter is that guy, but he, he so wants to be with Jesus that he's quite clumsy, actually. You know, he's like, okay, no, I have to. And, and it does it completely. And sometimes we are clueless of what God is busy doing in our lives. We know he's at work. And we all, just lump. We're clumsy. We're saying the wrong things. We on stumpy coffee or mobile, and, and, and we like, we, 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 it's like God is at work and we're in the process, but things are slightly uncomfortable and we, it's in those moments that is forming Christ in you. Question is, are your heart, is your heart following him? This moment, the rebuke, Peter had that encounter where you are the Son of God, Christ. Great revelation. Just after that, in Matthew 16, Peter took him aside. Jesus was just saying, listen guys, I need you to, I need you to know the strategy. I'm going to die. Alright? Uh, the scribes are going to, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees are coming together. They want to kill me. And uh, Peter comes to places like, whoa, 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 this is not a good strategy, all right, this is, <laughs> this is not the way that you build a successful kingdom, Jesus, uh, we've, we've, and I mean, they've had history behind them, all the kings and chronicles and kings and Samuel, let me tell you, don't do this, and Jesus, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, I mean, he's quite serious, because clearly Jesus is slightly delusional at this moment, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen. I know you. Walked on water, multiplied fish, raised the dead. I know you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I mean, this, this, this moment kind of really epitomizes for me that previous diagram. As Jesus, we need to be successful in this religion thing. We need to be good stewards of the gifts that you have given us. We need to, so don't die. <laughs> Far be it from you. And it's in this moment that, look, can you see, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. But he doesn't say, you've got satanic thoughts. He says, you've got human thoughts. Your mind is set on things of man. You've got natural thoughts. You've got the culture's thoughts. You've got the way of the world's thoughts. You've got how you've grown up thoughts. You've got how everyone else thinks thoughts. You've got good thoughts. Get behind me, Satan. I know. And we all come to a place where Jesus sometimes confronts us. Where we have conventional wisdom that has been taught and it's right and it's all of that. But it's not God's wisdom. And that we need to find God's. And He wants to form Christ in us by dying to self. By laying down our ways. And He rebukes. Changing ways. Here's another one that strikes me. Luke 22 verse 35. It says, And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. This was the first time that they were sent out and the demons obeyed and they were like, Yeah, this is amazing. He said to them, But now, let, uh, let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. Okay, Jesus like, buy a sword. 
For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has, me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to him, it is enough. Now, I, I can't make out if it's, it is enough. Kind of he's scolding them. Uh, because then there probably would have been an exclamation mark. Or it is enough, two is enough. But it seems like, guys... You with your taser guns and you with your nine mil or so. I don't know. Okay, so, but the sword. Have your swords with you. There's a time coming. So, and I guarantee you, Peter was, yes. I forgive you for calling me Satan Jesus, but I've got my knife. <laughs> All right. But now in John 18.10, and Simon Peter having a sword. Obviously, he would have had the sword. Yeah, John, having a sword, he drew and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Arma Peter. I mean, he's like, but Jesus, you said I must bring a sword. <laughs> Obviously, this is the moment to use the sword. And she says, stop, shall I not drink the cup? Again, trying in our own ways to make God's plan come about. And she says, I have to drink this cup. Now, I probably would have to, again, confused. I, but sometimes it's like the way that we used to do things. In Jesus worked, then it changes. Then it changes again. <laughs> it's the same Lord, but He's calling us to walk with Him. And God uses those moments of change to form Christ in us. And we have to be close to Him, have to be Christ attentive, if I can, be aware of what He is leading us so that Christ can be formed. Changing ways. Oh, this, your weakness. Luke 2, 22, verse 54 says, And they seized him and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Okay. I've got to, just because I don't want to read everything. But Jesus gave Peter a prophetic word. Before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. Who wants that prophetic word? <laughs> Jesus says what's going to happen. Okay? Peter says, no way. I, I know I got it wrong the previous time, Jesus. You and I, have, we've had our, our uh, chat, you know, on the chair of recalibration and all of that. I've, you've spoken into my life. You've, I've learned. I won't do the mistake again. I will not deny you. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. The servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Yeah, I, I don't know what would have happened to me as I had this moment. And the Lord turned and looked at him, at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Uh, what, a, what a moment of disappointment. A moment of, he was right and I am wrong. A moment of, I said I'm going to get it right and I didn't. I promised. I was, I was so, I so wanted to get it right this time. 
I didn't. And generally, go out and weep bitterly. That's usually our response. So I give up. I don't know. This Christian thing I can't get right. This being like Jesus, it's never going to get, I'm never going to get it right. All the mile, all the time, God is sitting and shaping this piece of clay into a pot that will be used for honor. But he has to go through these moments. Not intentionally, but he's, he's, he's surprised. He's, he's coming. It's those moments where you, you, you've, you never realize that this is a weakness in your life. All of a sudden, oh, I denied him. I am weak. I'm more frail than what I thought. He then said that he would build the church when I had that amazing revelation. He would give me the keys of the kingdom. He said he's going to use me, and yet I can't. And moments of our weakness. Aren't you happy that God's not finished with us? He says, until the day of Christ, the good work that he has started. And so then we have a moment where Jesus forgives and recalls him. John 21 verse 17, and he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, Jesus has now been asking him. He's on the, uh, uh, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, I love you, Jesus. Come on, I love you, I promise, I love you, Jesus. And the third time, it's like, Jesus, you know. Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. It's a moment where Peter comes back. He went off fishing and he's like, Stuff this. I'm not, I don't know what, how to get this right. Jesus is on the, uh, the shore and he says, hey. And he jumps and he wants to come back to Jesus. And Jesus recalls him in a sense. He recalls him and says, hey, follow me. In a place of forgiveness. And this is oftentimes for me quite difficult, this moment. Because I need to pick up my head. Tell my corporal, how do you say it in English? Is it right? Pick up your head and, and follow. You need to receive the forgiveness and stop moping that I'm so bad and I'm so because the focus is still on it. It's like, you've been forgiven, now let's go. You've been forgiven, come, let's follow me. It's past. And oftentimes, the, the, how quick we can receive the forgiveness is important. How quick others can. We've been, uh, we spent time with a couple where unfaithfulness was uh, happened in the, in, in the marriage. And um, uh, this was on the wife's part. And she asked for forgiveness. She repented. And they came and they sat with us. Um, they're not in this uh, church. We, otherwise, we would have obviously dealt with it differently. But they sat with us. And, um, and so now we're grappling. And they've, they've got to grapple how does forgiveness and repentance work and so forth. And I mean, she's, she's repented. She can't, she can't undo it. She can move forward. But now the, the, what the husband needs to go, he, he needs to extend the forgiveness. And they need to move forward. But he cannot get over it. He cannot. So he's got this over her life. Now the question is, is I'm like, who's sinning at this moment? Because she's asked for forgiveness. It's cleansed. It wasn't right, but it's cleansed. But he's holding it over. And before the Lord, he is now caught in unforgiveness. He's the sinner. And the problem is, the whole community around them are still blaming her. Where before the Lord, she's cleansed. He's the sinner. He's harboring unforgiveness. Now, granted, I mean, it's a painful situation and there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. But we've got to extend the forgiveness. Imagine we come to the Lord like that. Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I'll, 
says, no. <laughs> you are, you're done. If he does not forgive you, you're going to hell. We, we sometimes, we, we take, because it's a gift and it's free, we take it so blasely. If he does not forgive, we're done, people. We, it's eternally dead. Without God, gone. It's on account of our sin that His wrath is coming. It's a serious place. We have Jesus. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Thankful for that. And so, what can we do with a great gift like that? And some of us have grown up like that. You've had to feel bad because your parents wanted you to feel bad for a while. You had still staple. You had to pay with a sense of guilt, so that you just, just look sorry. And we've transferred that into God. Now, I'm not saying make it lighter, but we've got to receive the give, forgiveness. It's okay, Lord, we're going to pick up our heads and we're going to move forward. And that's the redemption. You see Peter doing that. I mean, Peter goes, okay, let's go. Peter goes, Acts 2, Holy Spirit pours out. Who stands up? It's Peter, the forgiven Peter. I mean, I can, ima I can imagine, if I can say, Thomas. Yes, I black squirrel. I do also care, and I do also care. And now he's up there. I wish. <laughs> but, and can you see how human, I mean, God calls us, and he uses us, and he wants to use and form himself in us. So Peter gets up and says, guys, let me tell you what's happening and he preaches the prayer. 3,000 get saved. Acts 5. If that wasn't enough, now his shadow is anointed. When he walks. If I was Peter. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not Peter. No, that's, I, mean, I mean, it's just amazing. This guy who was down in the dumps. This guy who denied Jesus. This guy who for some of us we would have thought he lost his salvation. He is being used by God. Jesus is being formed in him through ministry. And God forms himself in us by using us. And we have these breakthrough experiences. People getting healed. People getting saved. Then, when he has this incredible revelation, he goes up, he gets a trance. Into a trance. How that exactly looked like, I don't know. But he has a voice. He sees this picture of a cloth coming down. Animals in it. And it's unclean animals. And the voice says to him, Rise up, Peter. Do you still have that sword? Kill it now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but rise, Peter. Kill it. Kill and eat. And, and this happens three times. And he's like, Yo, By no means, Lord, I have not never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again, second. What God has made, second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the, thing was, uh, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, this moment happens as God wants Peter to realize that the gospel did not just come to the Jews. Do you remember that Jesus said, go into all the world, into all the nations? They were so doff that they couldn't understand that, that they still just preached to the Jews. And they said, everything is just for the Jews. Now, by revelation again, God comes says, you need to realize that the gospel is for everyone. Don't call common, lesser, beneath you, what God has called clean. The gospel is for everyone. And God comes and He reveals Himself and He forms Himself in us through putting Afrikaans and Engels together. Through putting Ugandan Afrikaans and Engels together. Zambian. Putting Koza. Putting Sutu. Putting women and husband. Women and men in the same. Putting children. He brings all these social statuses, cultural differences, language barriers, and he forms Christ in us. I used to think, if I go to this course... Heading, Christ being formed in you, 
12 weeks, all the scriptures, I get formed into the image of Jesus. After that, I, I kind of uh, get promoted to how to be in an apostolic church. Uh, you know, there's a few scriptures about being sent out. It doesn't work like that. The way that God forms and promotes you is He puts a person in, in your life. And that person doesn't speak the same language. They don't have the same upbringing. They, generally, it feels like uncomfortable. I mean, Rulof and Ilana is coming to our eldership team. There's going to be a little bit of... Because we're different. We've got different backgrounds. Now there's a sense of, we love, but we're going to form one another. We're going to form one, you're going to form them. We're going to form each other. And so God wants us to know that it's those things are not separating things. It's actually forming aspects. I mean, this is, you know yourselves that how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone from another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Yes, yeah, sometimes it's difficult, eh? But if we surrender and we embrace Jesus. And ninth. Okay, now remember. Peter had an amazing revelation. At that moment where he said, I will call no one unclean. The Holy Spirit fell on the people. It was Peter went to the apostles and the, and the elders and said, Guys, you've got to understand. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They are fine. God said they are fine. Now Peter is in Galatia. And Paul says, But when Cephas came from, uh, to Antioch, oh, sorry, Antioch, not Galatia, and I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. That means... Alright, so he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated. Oh, shucks. Head office is here. I am not allowed to eat uh, pork. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, or Peter, before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? You're a hypocrite. That's what he was saying in our language. He rebuked his hypocrisy. Can you see how long it takes for us to change into more like Jesus? Can you see how many moments of revelation, how many miraculous seasons, how many times in the church under teaching, how many moments of deep worship, how many times with other cultures it takes to form more of Jesus in us? It's a lifelong journey. And some of us get frustrated and give up hope because after five years, after 10 years, after 20 years, I still struggle with this unrenewed self. Welcome to Peter's team. <laughs> the rock. <laughs> And this morning, I, I, I want us to, 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 to posture ourselves and to have a long-term view until the end. When you, those of you who are married, when you made a covenant with your spouse, you said, until death do us part. And I know some of you have, have, have had the pain of, of not seeing that play out like that. But that is the image. That is the, the, the declaration. It's, Jesus and us, Jesus and his church is like that. Until death do us part. But what is slightly different with Jesus and the church is you can't die because you've got eternal life. And so never do we part. 
But on earth we show this. We say, till death do we part. We are committed. This is long term. I call you my husband, my wife. I choose you just like God chose us. I choose and I will go through the ups and downs. I will be clumsy. And I will, I mean, Rudolf was saying he gave his wife uh, gym gloves. I'm, I'm glad to hear that she didn't knock you with her gym gloves. <laughs> you know what I was saying? Yeah, yeah, that's better than my first gift. I got a yellow, yellow wiki. I don't like. At that stage, I, was, I liked billabong stuff, so I bought her. The fact that it was a billabong wiki. <laughs> but it was yellow. She never got the message. Bright and sunny. Sunny. <laughs> so, but, but you're clumsy. God is busy. God is working. And you're clumsy. You go through all the moments of... Even moments where you, you denied, you're like, oh, shucks, because of my insecurities, I denied something in our ma- uh, relationship. But I come back. Please forgive me. We extend forgiveness. We, we display this. And over a lifetime, we are formed into the image of Jesus Christ. The point is we don't stop walking with Him. We stay in His hands. And this morning as the children were praying, they were praying around Peter sinking in the water. He said, if it's you, Lord, give me the word. And he started to walk on water. And then he looked at the storms. He looked at life. He looked at the different things. This is not possible. He started to sink. And then Jesus, he called out to Jesus and Jesus raised him up. Peter displays this to us. A life that walks and sinks, walks and sinks, gets up and walks and sinks. And, and we never condone sin. But we never disqualify mercy. That comes, when you come with your sin, when you come with your weakness, when you come with your human, when you come with everything that is not like Jesus and you bring it to Him, what meets you is mercy and grace. It triumphs over the judgment. And he might rebuke you. He might even call you Satan. But he's first called you. Papa. Gavin. Suzette. Cassie. Andre. He's first called you. He says, follow me. And it might, he might say, hey, do you love me? Follow me. And so where are you in this? And do you identify? I can see Caitlin. So I'm, I'm everywhere. That's all of me. No, my Pietrina. No, sorry, that's a corny dad joke. Um, but where are you? Reach out your hand to Jesus. Come, let's close our eyes. Lord, we thank you this morning. That you are the potter, we are the clay. And in this moment, we want to surrender to you. And I want to ask where you have stopped following. Where you have stopped responding to Jesus. Where you have maybe said no, felt too guilty, too disappointed in yourself. Too, too clumsy to this. And you need to take your eyes off of yourself and put it back on Jesus. You need to confess, I believe. Right, just as a sign, just raise your hand for that. I want to I agree with you and say, yes, Lord, he or she raised. This is not a salvation call, although it's a call to help us be saved as we are on a journey of salvation. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. I agree with her. I agree, Lord. I say yes with them, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. One writer writes, he says, the divine yes. It's when we agree with Jesus.
Bible says every promise is yes and amen in Christ. And that promise of making you more like Jesus is a yes from God's side. And He wants your yes to be yes in Him. He doesn't want your ability. He wants your yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to highlight one of the moments. And it's that moment of recommitment. It's like you've actually been really far from the Lord. And you need to recommit your life today. It says, Lord, here I am. This is not just some quick change or little change. This is like, Lord, I need to come back to you. That's, I need to come back to you. If that's you, can you put up your hand? I want to pray with you. You need to come back to God. I give myself to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, as each one sits here, to bless them. And I pray, Lord, that we would be like Peter. Not necessarily in personality or temperament or that, Lord, but that we would be like Peter to believe you. And we would follow Peter as he followed Christ. And we formed in him. Bless each one here. Lord, we're excited for any and Almary, Lord. We pray for blessing upon their time too as we get together, Lord. We thank you for that. And each one as they go from you, Lord, I pray that they will be an ambassador of Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great day. Those of you joining us for the picnic, see you there. The rest of you, have an awesome week. We see you at the gathering Saturday, 4 to 6. We'll send through details. And it's going to be a special time. Bye-bye.